Action fanatics, welcome to the Happy Holidays edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I'm your host, Chris the Brain, and joining me, as always, it is Chad Cruz. Chad, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I was As my Christmas gift to you, I was going to just no-show this podcast, uh, but then I figured that you would have to gift me something, and I didn't want to put you in that position. Thank you very much. Very thoughtful of you. And returning to the uh, Bulletproof podcast, Ryan Campbell, we haven't had you on in a while, although you were a part uh, of something special that we did this past weekend, or two weekends ago, I guess, at this point, uh, the Geekscape Holiday Livestream Tacular. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, And actually, we did raise some money during our hour, so... That was a that was a, a a relief. I didn't want to be the ones that went an hour without raising at least anything. Right, we we did. Uh, we 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 called out and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. let's let's get up past three hundred bucks," and and it happened on our hour. And then overall, though, over eleven hundred dollars raised for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. So that's that's pretty cool. I think. That's yeah, we had some surprise guests and got to talk to some uh, cool people. It was good. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you're not going to get to talk to any cool people on this episode, however, unless you count Chad Cruz as cool. Okay, yes. I think Chad Cruz is cool. Thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, And Chad Cruz, we got some feedback recently on Twitter that there are actually people out there enjoying the the podcast, which is good. That's good to hear. We enjoy doing them for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, Saurav, Saurav Dutt on Twitter recently wrote in and said, uh, keep up the great work. Your podcasts always bring roundhouse kick worthy smiles to my face. And that's a, that's probably our best compliment since the, the guy on the, on the shitter. The, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's And if you insert shitter, like I listen to your podcast on the shitter or something about roundhouse kicks in your comment, then they're, they're both very good. Yeah. We, we appreciate both of those. And you know, what's funny is, in the very beginning stages of the site, um, instead of bulletproof action, there was some some talk of uh, using roundhouse, uh, roundhouse action, roundhouse media, something like that. So, right. good, good choice of words. Yep. So yeah. So Sarov he wrote uh, wrote to us on Twitter, and you could do so as well. We are at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. But uh, we, we talked about. Briefly, the Geekscape Holiday Livestream Tacular. Now, what we did on that special edition, uh, and we we dropped a bonus episode on everybody as a, a special holiday treat, we counted down the top five Christmas action movies as voted on by you, our social media followers and listeners here to the Bulletproof Pod. And today, on this episode, we are going to do a deep dive on what was ranked the number two best Christmas action holiday movie and it's very deserving of that spot. It is Lethal Weapon, Chad Cruz. Yeah, it's deserving. And there's no debate on whether or not this is a Christmas movie. Um, you know, you hear every every year about Die Hard, but there's not as much talk about Lethal Weapon. And and part of that goes into, it's probably not as popular as Die Hard, I guess. I don't know. Less less sequels. But they they talk about Christmas, not just once. Not just twice, but like 17 times in this right. movie. So it deserves it in a big way. 
Well, I think as we get into the very early stages of this film, as we get in our deep dive, we will find out why this movie. I think one of the reasons is this just doesn't get played on regular TV that much. Uh, for a good reason. Right. And and like I said, we're, we're about to get into that uh, right now. And I, so, yeah, so Die Hard kind of takes all that Christmas movie, not a Christmas movie heat from basically all other Christmas action movies. Right. I think, you know, what's funny because I think that Die Hard is, you know, if you have a big family, if you have a bunch of siblings, Die Hard is the as the brother who's like a real screw up. So he takes the heat. So you can just be like below mediocre and scoot right by because his big brother sucks so bad. All right, well, let's get into it. Lethal Weapon released March 6, 1987, directed by Richard Donner. And how awesome is Richard Donner? I mean, this guy has made like classics in just about every genre there is. I was going to say his range. Yeah, you got the omen for the horror world. You've got, you know, he did the original big budget superhero movie with Superman, the movie, one of my all time favorites. Scrooge, of course, just a, a great holiday comedy classic. And then Chad Cruz, The Goonies. The Goonies, which is, you know, that coming of age adventure story that you can enjoy as an eight year old or as a 38 year old. Absolutely. And, and he, he gets, I think he gets, timing comic timing action timing he just like understands timing and editing on films and then the writer of this thing shane black i mean there's another guy with a great pedigree oh yeah he he's written for so many great films um now obviously like predator and we talked about uh uh the other christmas movie was what's uh when we were just talking about a couple days ago Long kiss, good night. Long kiss, good night. That's the good one with Gina Davis, um, and and he he has like this very very Tarantino esque style to him, which is blunt, uh, and he curses a lot, and there's lots of violence. So it's definitely uh, for some people and not for others, but he has a certain style to him for sure. Yeah, he's right up your alley. That's for sure. Yeah, he's. I'm a big fan, except for Predators, or no wait, The Predator. Sorry. The predator I hated. You've made that abundantly clear. CTB enjoyed that one. He did. It was all right. I mean, again, I didn't hate it. So I guess that's a compliment. Uh, (laughs) So let's get into this one. It is Lethal Weapon. And we kick off, like you said, Chad, they're not hiding the fact that this is a Christmas movie. We start off with Jingle Bell Rock as the opening credits go. And there's some other things in the opening credits that really would not be good for broadcast or, or basic cable television. We've got a, a, a beautiful young lady. She's partially clothed. Uh, so we get some instant nudity. She's snorting lines. There's pills. And uh, she's kind of hanging out on a balcony and not in the right state of mind. And she takes the plunge. It's... It's uh, it's odd that you would call her partially clothed and not partially naked. Okay. That's like a glass half full, half empty kind of comment. That's like partially clothed is what you would say in a, you know, in, in the church booklet, like someone was partially clothed, but in reality, they were also partially nude. They were. But so, I guess maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm just in the holiday semantic. spirit. That's true. Church. So, yeah, she's naked or she's partially naked. She's she's doing lines of coke or something of some substance, and 
af- as Jingle Bell Rock is playing uh, or playing out, she ends up taking the old swan dive off a skyscraper. So that it's, that's a hard thing to show on a uh, Christmas time film, you know, on Freeform Channel. Right. Yeah. Right. And the 25 days of Christmas. Yeah. We, we talked about uh, Richard Donner and, and Chad, you kind of mentioned some of the things he does with editing and uh, right off the bat, one of the things I like is when that, when she jumps and she's falling and we get the, you know, kind of the stereotypical falling action scene, he cuts to like a shot of like her point of view. And it's like the camera descending down the building, like really fast, of like looking at the building it just stuck out to me as like a really cool shot. And there's a few moments in the film that he slips in like a different, unique camera angle that you just don't see in a lot of action movies where maybe right. they get, you know, a lot of action movies get kind of cookie cutter or they just follow a formula or they're just, you know, rushing to get the thing out. Um, just those little moments like that is that you didn't have to be there. And I'm sure that wasn't an easy shot to get at the time. You know, now they would just fly a drone down and probably get it really easy. But um, it just when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's that's definitely really cool and unique." Yeah, it was neat too because, like you were saying, you got these uh, interspersed like these shots that are like they were cut in POV shot, and then you would see this really wide shot of her falling off this huge building. Um, so yeah, it, it's really cool how he does that kind of thing in post. And in typical movie fashion, she lands on top of a car. Of course, of um, course. Because that's just cool. And then uh, we cut to Roger Murtaugh, who is played by the one and only Danny Glover, who's celebrating his 50th birthday in a most unique fashion because he's in the bathtub and his entire family joins him. Uh, this is a bit of an awkward scene. And he blows his candles out while he's while he's soaking in the tub. Yeah, I went back ab- about this, and you know what? I I don't think I, I nothing against a man take man taking a bath. I think that's perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, it's relaxing. And then I started thinking, you know what? I don't think I would be too. Sh- I mean, my kids come running in all the time into the bathroom. That that doesn't bother them at all. So like that, I get. I think the one that sticks out to me the most is who takes a bath in the morning, like. <laughs> Yeah, who like gets up in the morning and like to start their day, draws a bath like that. Right. that, that, that that's a uh, yeah. I'm winding down. I think day. maybe of all the things in that scene, that was the most offensive to me. And <laughs> I don't so much care about the uh, young kids jump, but the, his teenage daughter like wants to be with her dad, who's yeah. like butt ass naked in the bath. That's <laughs> a little odd. Yeah, I, like my kids. Yeah, little kids don't they don't give two shits. They're running in and out no matter what, but. A teenager, it's like, ew, like, dad, put your freaking pants on. Right. And and I, I originally, when I first saw the scene, I was like, whoa, you know, a uh, 50-year-old man in a bathtub surrounded by 11 people. That's right. strange. But I also have children. So, I mean, they've seen me in the bathroom as much as anyone should ever see. Right, right. All right, well, once he gets uh, dressed and has a little bit of breakfast, uh, his wife tells him that uh, his old non-buddy, Michael Hunsaker, is looking for him and left a message for him. So kind of lays a little groundwork there. And then we cut to our other hero in this one, Mel Gibson, who plays Martin Riggs. He lives on a trailer on the beach, and we first see him. He's smoking in bed, watching the old family feud. And then we get a... Chad Cruz's favorite scene in the movie. We get some, <laughs> we get some Mel Gibson ass. That's I, now I, I question as to whose idea that was. Was that Richard Donner? Was it written in the script? 
or was Mel Gibson like, I never sleep clothed, you know, and he's yeah. like, he's inserting this into the character. He's like, Riggs would not wear pants or, you know, he's not going to wear PJs. You know what I mean? Right. So the, I, the I, funny thing is just, just, there's two things about Mel Gibson that, that it's almost like Tom Cruise has to run in every movie. Right. Mel Gibson has two things. He has to show his ass and he has to be tortured for some reason. Like it has to be tortured. <laughs> He's got a good torture face, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, again, so we talk about why is this movie not on TV? Well, I mean, within the first 10 minutes, you've got the two heroes naked. Yeah, ass and, and titties. And, and, yeah, we got titties at the right at the beginning as well, so. Uh, we also learn, uh, not right here, but we, we do learn that Riggs has lost his wife and we'll eventually learn that it was in a car accident. Um, and, uh, you know, he's going through some things. He is uh, in, in definitely in a grief mode and he throws a beer bottle through his TV, which is not why. I don't wouldn't suggest that to anyone unless you do want to buy a new TV like he eventually <laughs> does. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, this scene is is it's kind of funny to watch because of what happens in it, but it's like, it's also very telling about the character. Like you learn a lot about him just in this, what two minutes or whatever it's on screen. Right. He's in a pretty uh, bad spot. Let's just say that. Yeah. And, and I was going to say to, to the, that point you just made Chad is how, how they used to structure movies that way. And this small moment in, in a very real moment of him, you know, putting a gun in his mouth and then grabbing the picture and telling telling the backstory that way. Whereas now we would get like a three minute flashback of right. the entire thing and them managing to, to do that, give a character moment, you know, ground us with one of the main characters, give us his backstory, his motivation, you know, like you said, in about 30 seconds and without, you know, needing to do a cutaway or a flashback, yeah. or anything, uh, definitely a lost start, but you know, it, it, it it establishes pretty quickly. This isn't just going to be like a buddy cop comedy movie that we kind of think of as buddy cop movies now. Like it, there's a little there's a little edge to this. Oh yeah, for sure. And then we cut to uh, Roger Murtaugh, who's at the uh, gun range and showing off. You know, he might be fifty years old, but he's still got it, Chad. He's got an eye, man. He he's not going to put you know fifteen rounds in you, but that one shot he takes is going to be freaking bullseye every time. Also, a weird thing, too, that the movie did is he has the beard in the early scene when he's in the tub and his daughter makes a comment about graying his beard mm-hmm. and he shades it off to a mustache. But, like, I don't know what purpose that really served. <laughs> <laughs> it makes him look younger, man. Unless it's like a Superman uh, thing where, like, for whatever reason, he had to have a beard from a previous shoot and they had to write in why he shaved it to a mustache. But... Uh, I don't know, just something, one of the little things that kind of stuck out to me, like, they didn't need to be in there. I, I wonder why they put something like that in, in that. I don't, maybe, you know, it's like that uh, uh, midlife crisis, that middle age thing where you hit a certain age and you're like, I need to make a change in my life. And part of that change is just shaving your beard. There you go. Going down to a mustache. And taking a bath in the morning. <laughs> We're going to check in with you uh, in a couple of years, Ryan Campbell. <laughs> when you get there. And see if you have uh, shaved the beard I'll and lost the beard. ass in the morning. There you go, with just the mustache. Yeah. And then we'll know you have officially hit middle age. Yeah, that's <laughs> when you'll know I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Uh, so then we cut back to Riggs, who's responding to a call. There's a sniper, and he's shooting at kids, which is not good in any way. Um, and there's the you know there's cops. Everybody's frantic, as you would imagine in a situation like this, and they're waiting for the SWAT team. But Chad Cruz, Riggs, he ain't waiting. No, Riggs is. Uh, I mean, he he kind of plays by his own rules a little bit, but he's also a man about the job. You know, like right. he he might be reckless at times. At, Many times throughout the film, he's reckless, but he's only reckless with his own life. And he's always trying to, to help other people, which, you know, it's, it's something to be said for that, especially as a cop. Yeah, he definitely comes across as a man with a death wish. And I would like to tie in that the cop that's on the scene, who's like, basically, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's played by Ben Frank, who played Lieutenant Mankiewicz in Death Wish 2. So there's a nice little tidbit of information for you. Uh, Ryan, then uh, Murtaugh, meanwhile, he's kind of investigating this jumper and he finds out who the identity uh, of the girl who jumped at the beginning of the film. Yeah, it's his uh, his old man buddy that was reaching out to him uh, earlier in the film that his wife told him about. Um, so, you know, some red flags start popping up and then maybe the simple case of a jumper is not so simple. Right. We, we get that first little bit of that. Um, and then after uh, Riggs took took out the sniper, he's had a busy morning, Chad, because now he's undercover at a Christmas tree lot Yeah, trying to, trying to buy drugs. He's very versatile as an officer. Um, not he the best. Bite, he does. <laughs> not the best undercover agent, I will say that. <laughs> he's there just kind of like dipping his finger in, in drugs and whatever drug it was, some sort of powdery substance, tasting it. Oh, yeah, this is good. And then when it comes time to pay, he just pulls his wallet out and starts paying in like 20s and 10s. Um, it's yeah, it, it's one of those scenes where it like it tells you a little bit about the character. OK, this guy is like one. He's he's a little bit insane, but he's really funny. And as the scene progresses, he freaking like he's a tour de force of acting like he is emotional as it gets. And we get another layer in, in his character because we find out he's a fan of the Three Stooges. At this point. <laughs> that too, yes. So yeah, I think maybe the only uh, worse undercover drug bust cop I've ever seen in my life would be Lauren Avedon in uh, King of the Cape Monsters. <laughs> yeah, he basically told him he was a cop like, right away. All right, so now the action or the, the story moves to the police station and... Uh, we got, we got some familiar faces here at the police station. Uh, it's actually Grandel Bush. And I think you knew a, a girl in college named that, Chad. Uh, mm-hmm. She or he, or he, he plays a cop and he, he's the one who kind of breaks the news to Murtaugh that he's getting a new partner and that partner is Riggs. And uh, not the best first impression, uh, Ryan Campbell, for uh, Riggs and Murtaugh, how they meet there is kind of a unique uh, meeting there. Yeah, I mean, if this sketchy guy that, you know, <clears throat> isn't dressed like a normal cop and he's, I guess, never seen him before, maybe there are different different uh, departments, pulls a gun and, and he, you know, Johnny on the spot jumps on it. Yeah, jumps on it and, yeah, just definitely not the way you want to start a partnership. <laughs> Some other familiar faces at the station, we have a Detective McCaskey who uh, played Detective Cotterwell in Action Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see him again. Uh, anytime, anytime, anything could remind me of Action Jackson. 
it immediately gets an extra point. Oh yeah, for sure. We also have the uh, the black FBI agent from Die Hard. I don't have his name. Right, that was Grando Bush. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Who Chad knows a girl with the same name? It was. Um, it wasn't her real name. That was a. It was a nickname. So. A nickname, right? She had a grand. I mean, yeah, Grando <laughs> Bush. All right. So, and we also now get our first official "I'm too old for this shit" moment uh, with with Danny Glover. So, which you know, it's funny because I think that uh, Danny Glover was only like forty when they filmed this. So he really wasn't. So now when he he says, wasn't too old for this shit. Now, if he said it in a movie, it'd be 100%. Yeah. Fast forward to Lethal Weapon 4. And yes. And everyone's or like, if, they ever, if they ever make 5, which is always please don't. floating out there that it's happening. Yeah. I, know, Mel Gibson's downward spiral kind of put the kibosh on that, I think. I, I think I watched a uh, an interview with the three of them. Him, actually, those two and Rene Russo uh, for like the 30th anniversary of this film. And they all, when they asked him if there was going to be a fifth movie, they all just laughed at it and said that it would just be them getting up three times in the, in the middle of the night to take a piss. And like, like not only is there, a, they're not saying I'm too old for this shit. They're like, yes, we're literally retired. We should not be involved in any of this. Keep us away from all of this harm. So it would be probably help either the Fox, the Fox series of it didn't do so well. Well, I think it, the, the series did better than I think anyone expected, but yeah, then it kind of fell apart due to some... Uh, some drama. Drama, yeah, betwe- between the actual actors. So that kind of fell apart there. Um, all right, well, now it's time to meet the bad guys. We've, we've, we've clearly established Riggs and Murtaugh. Now that we've brought them together, now it is time to meet the bad guys. And what a bad guy we've got. First off, Mr. Joshua Gary Busey. We've talked about Gary Busey quite a bit on this show, Chad Cruz. We have. Yeah, he's he's kind of like a favorite of, uh, of most of the members of the Bulletproof Action team. Um, he, you know, and when you talk about range, you're usually not talking about Gary Busey because he kind of always plays like this out-of-control character. Um, if he's a hero, he's super heroic. If he's a villain, he's like the ultimate in villainy. You know, he he's he's kind of got a big personality. And in films like this, especially in this one, he doesn't have to say much. Um, just because you see him, you recognize him, and I mean, you kind of understand that he's like a a serious dude who can do some serious damage. Yeah, it's almost the most subdued Gary Busey performance I could think of, just yeah. off the top of my head. I was gonna say, yeah, he plays this one pretty straight and in control. You know, towards the very, very end when things really just fall apart he goes a little crazy but i mean for the most part of the movie he's he's you know ex-special forces in control yeah you know one step ahead kind of guy which yeah that's definitely not the roles he gets now no and he doesn't he doesn't dip into that abusiness until the very end like you said but it felt nice Um, yeah uh now he works for the general and not the the guy with the auto insurance this is uh mitchell ryan and uh we kind of see this interesting little thing with the, the lighter and uh, just to show the, the level of loyalty that uh, the men have for the general. Yeah. I mean, I did that uh, this afternoon, held it there at the exact, I watched, put the scene up and held my lighter under my arm for the exact same amount of time. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. 
Okay, Johnny Badass. Not badass, uh, dude. We also- yeah, we also see uh, another familiar face with an Edo Ross, who played Mendez, who was a potential heroin buyer um, for the general and Mister Mister Joshua. I feel so, like he always again, has these tiny roles where he's there for like four minutes, and then he's gone. Yeah, I think it wasn't his like biggest role. Uh, Red Heat. Oof, I, I don't even like, remember him in that yeah, movie. Yeah, I think I think he has a, a larger role there, but yeah, like he's in. He's also an action Jackson, and he's right yeah. at the beginning. And he's the flaming body that goes plummeting off the that big skyscraper, right? To come to the restaurant below, and he this, also, I would say, Universal Soldier. He had a little bit bigger role. Yeah, the same lighter used in this film was used in uh, Action Jackson. Oh, yeah. what a nice behind-the-scenes uh, live video action! <laughs> what do you mean? What? Just bullshit. Okay. Uh, so now we get Murtaugh visiting his boy, Mike Hunsaker. Um, he tells Mike, and we should point out, or I should definitely point out, that Mike is played by Tom Atkins, oh, the yeah, great Tom Mike. Atkins. I mean, come on now. What a great piece of casting. And I mentioned this on the uh, Geekscape holiday live stream. He actually got this role when Richard Donner saw Night of the Creeps and uh, convinced him to, to cast old tom atkins for for this spot on lethal weapon which is interesting because they're not the same type of character at all but it is still nice to see him right uh so Myrtle tells mike that amanda was poisoned which i guess was supposed to somehow help ease the pain because she would have died either way basically whether right. she jumped or you know maybe it was actually better that she just got it over with as opposed to potentially the grueling death of having the poison eat away at her but uh she would have died. Uh, so Mike, and this is one thing where I have a little bit of an issue with the movie, um, or maybe m- with Mr. Shane Black's writing. Uh, Mike said, you know, he he was calling Roger because he knew his daughter was mixed up in some stuff she shouldn't have been mixed up in, and that he wants Roger to find the people responsible for her death and kill them. <laughs> and kill them. So, I mean, that's fine, but I think later on when we we get to there it's like like he i mean unless at this point in the movie he had no idea who did this that would make sense but if he had an inkling who it was later on in the film he's like oh you don't want to mess with these guys right yeah i have other kids you know blah blah and he he's i don't know maybe he's just acting out of the immediacy and passion and as he slowly starts to settle in just what he's in he thinks better of it but but yeah there's a little bit of a loophole there i feel like it's his cover-up story like maybe he was calling roger for something else and then when roger said you know why were you trying to call me three days ago whatever it was he was like uh i was trying to get your help to help her um and maybe he was going to drop a dime on these guys uh i don't know i i I find it hard to believe yeah i find it hard to believe that that if you're in trouble with this like group of badass mercenaries who are like multimillionaire drug dealing people, you would call an LA cop to help you. I just, right. I'm not buying it. All right. Well, now we get to see after that meeting, Murtaugh and Riggs go basically on their first official call together. And once again, we have somebody on top of a building. Um, and, and again, this is where we get to see more of that unhinged, Martin Riggs, Chad. 
<laughs> yeah, this is unhinged. Martin Riggs is the best Martin Riggs. And he, uh, he, they get on the scene and, you know, they're the, the psych person who's supposed to, you know, the, the person who, who's there to talk them down, the jumpers down is, is running late or isn't there yet. So, uh, Murtaugh is in charge and Riggs is like, Oh, I've done this before. I'll take this one. <laughs> and he goes up there and he couldn't be less experienced than I am. Like he essentially just like, he starts off with Merry Christmas to the guy and then just tries to kind of chit chat with him a minute until eventually he just cuffs himself to this guy and then threatens him by saying, if you jump, you'll also kill me and become a murderer. An interesting strategy to say the least. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Murtaugh's pissed at him. Like, you know, this is not what we're here to do. And, and, you know, you're, 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 you're psycho basically. And I don't know if I want to be working with you and we officially get, uh, I'm too old for this shit. Number two from him. Um, but from here they go, they, they get a, a lead about who may have been financing Amanda's lavish lifestyle. Um, so they go over to Beverly Hills and, you know, now at this point, Riggs is like, okay, we're doing this my way. But doing it the uh, Murtaugh way almost gets uh, Murtaugh killed, uh, Ryan Campbell. Yeah, so they uh, they walk right up on these uh, scantily clad women. I'll, I'll say, I guess you can say partially nude or partially clothed, whatever. <laughs> oh, I like scantily clad. Scantily yeah. clad. That's what I should have uh, used earlier. Yeah, in the glass sure. window, just, you know, packaging up some Coke, you know, just whatever. And they right. just see them and they're like, oh, hey, guys. And also the lady just is like tells them to head right in. I don't know quite what was up there. Was that the housekeeper? Like, maybe? I don't know. Or maybe she just thought they were buyers or. Buyers, right. That's yeah. probably what it was. Like, oh, you're next. Come on in. But, um. Yep, uh, a shootout ensues uh, there at the pool, and Riggs uh, saves Murtaugh's life, takes the gunman down, and, and that's kind of the first time that Murtaugh kind of thinks maybe that something different is with this guy, and there's more to him than just, you know, a suicidal idiot. Because um, at this point, he's already called the station uh, psychiatrist for the police department, right? who's told him that he's suicidal and has tried to get him taken off the force and to watch out and he's dangerous and all these other stuff. So Murtaugh is, is definitely on, you know, on edge at this point and, and looking out, but this kind of is like the start of their, their bond and, and lets them know that there's something else to him. But um, yep. So he, he takes him home, you know, he does whatever you do. when when a crazy psycho saves your life, he brings him home to meet his family. Mm-hmm. Why not? And you know, before we get into that, Joan Severance, Chad Cruz, was one of the uh, the women there uh, packing up the drugs. I noticed and, that. And, you know, she should have had, could have had a bigger role. She could have been uh, less clad. More, <laughs> more clad? Less? I don't know what clad really means. Chandler clad. She could have been butt-ass naked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she could have been. Um, and, of course, we talked extensively about miss severance in our no holds barred episode we did indeed check out the uh archives on that one but yeah like ryan campbell said uh they go to dinner at the old uh murtaugh home and leanne the teenage daughter who was hanging out with her dad in the bathtub uh has a big crush on oh, yeah. uh, old marty riggs and it's quite apparent from the get-go oh yeah she's hurting for a squirt in there um 
<laughs> the moment Martin Riggs walks in, he's just got that he's got that bad boy look to him. He's got that like flowing mullet going on. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean she I don't know how she's supposed to be like 17, 18. Yeah. I, I think she, so. Yeah. She going to prom. So yeah, you would think she was. Yeah. So she's in that stage of her life where she's like wants to kind of rebel. So when she sees Martin Riggs, you know, who's got to be. She smoked weed in the house. In the house, dude. Yeah. So she's, she's looking for any opportunity to kind of do a bad girl thing. And Riggs walks in looking all cute and stuff. So she's all about him. And I have a note here that if you ever wanted to see and hear Danny Glover attempt to beatbox, then Lethal Weapon is the movie for you. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, yeah, they like uh, Riggs and Murtaugh hang out on his boat uh, for a while before they, they call it a night. But before Danny Glover or Roger Murtaugh calls it a night, he uh, watches a video that uh, was sent to the house from evidence. And it's uh, Amanda's porno. So that's an interesting way to. You know, some people take a bath at night to wind down. Some people watch porn. Some might yeah. do both. Research. Research. Absolutely. It's it's fine police work. I definitely think um, this scene, this whole this whole scene, I think is really when you start to see the chemistry that, that Danny Glover and Mel Gibson have together. Um, they're like the little banter that they do. And this is in all, all the Lethal Weapon movies. At least. It's kind of this like under the breath, subtle, but also kind of natural witty back and forth that doesn't seem manufactured or like scripted. It may be very well, but just these little things like they like walk into the house and he's like, do we shut the door? And he's like, he's like, do we shut the door? And, and Murtaugh kind of under his breath is like, it's a house. Yeah. You shut the door. Just like the little back and forth like that, that go on throughout the whole movie and really throughout the entire series. This is kind of the first time you get a glimpse of that and how like these guys are kind of the yin and yang. Yeah, I mean, it was even referred to in later movies as as the magic, and it really was magic between between the two two characters there. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how many of the films in the series that Shane Black wrote. Uh, I'm gonna guess like the first I don't know the first couple because the two seemed very much a a continuation of the first one, but they uh, as they went on, I felt like they got further and further away from this and they just kind of started doing the old rehash, which is what a lot of series like this do is where they kind of keep doing the same jokes and they do the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like everything that happens in this film kind of happens again later on in part three and part four, you know, there's more stuff about boats. There's more stuff about people jumping. There's, you know what I mean? Like they kind of just reuse the same material, but I feel like they the brought first- in Jet Lee in four. <laughs> they did. And they brought in uh, Joe Pesci, you know, and, and, and liven things up and Rene Russo. But I really feel like the first two films, the characters are, are really developed and you get like the, I mean, you get prime Martin Riggs, you get like, he is just like so wounded. He's wounded, but he's like driven to be a good cop. And then Murtaugh is, he's he's not innocent you know what i mean like he's been through a lot of the same shit that Myrtle or that martin's been through but he has a family which is like his um i don't know crutch but it's what he leans against when he needs to so right yeah you almost can get the like if he didn't have that family would yeah. he be in the exact same boat that martin riggs is in exactly or at the very least he's probably seen other guys go through the same kind of stuff and and 
you know, wash out and doesn't necessarily want to see that happen to him. Right. Well, we go back to the gun range. Um, and this time we really get to see what Riggs could do. Uh, and we basically learned Chad that he is basically one of the greatest snipers on earth. <laughs> he is like Robin hood with a gun essentially. Uh, yeah. He, he talked about earlier, you know, killing is the only thing he's ever been good at. You know, when he was 19, he shot a guy in Laos or somewhere and he was a thousand yards and, um, but now he's got a pistol on his hand. So it's a little bit, it's a different type of, you know, weapon system shoot. So they push the targets out there and he puts a few rounds into it. And Murtaugh's all happy because he's like center mass, baby. And then they look at Riggs and it's like, you know, as if you just like uh, took a pen and did it like in, in order, like a connect four board. So yeah, Riggs is a pretty damn good shot. And you, you know, that's kind of, that was like the red flag right there. Like, okay, this uh, skill of his is obviously going to come into play at some point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, they kind of even teased it at the at, back at the Christmas tree lot when he like pulls his gun and does like a rolling move and like shoots like three guys. <laughs> true. True. So then they decide they're going to go visit Dixie, the hooker. Now Dixie, we saw earlier in the movie talking to uh, Murtaugh basically say, you know, she was, presenting herself as a eyewitness to the jump that Amanda did, but they start c- connecting some dots uh, that maybe she was with Amanda the night uh, that Amanda died. So they're like, okay, well let's see if our hunch is correct here, but they don't get uh, to ever speak to old Dixie, Chad Cruz. No, they, they have this hunch and they kind of they're This is another kind of point where they're, they're using their, own set of skills to kind of team up and they're coming up with this idea of what might've happened while they're at the gun range. Oh, this happened and this happened. They're just kind of piecing together what they think might be a, a theory, but it's a, it, they're like, it's very thin. They keep consider, you know, saying it themselves. It's very thin, but it's worth checking out. So when they get there, the house blows up, uh, which is an awesome scene. Um, and there's a bunch of little kids on the sidewalk, just kind of watching <laughs> like un, just unfazed by it. Dixie well, yeah. Boston. Yeah, they they were more entertained the fact that oh, Dixie yeah. was once again about to get harassed by the cops for her chosen profession in this world. Uh, so yeah, and then they kind of go through the rubble there, and Martin says, "I you know sees the uh, bomb or what's left of it, and realizes you know that was a CIA type setup there, um, which." prompts uh, Murtaugh to do some interviewing of our children that were sent by most, especially the old six-year-old Alfred, which I love that name, Alfred, a great name. (laughs) Um, And uh, we find out that, you know, he saw a utility guy messing around with the house, but it was no utility worker. We were eventually going to find out it's, it's uh, Gary Busey himself, but the special forces tattoo, Chad. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how close this kid was. Uh, he did have 3D glasses on, so maybe those glasses gave him some sort of like telescopic view at this guy. But but he, you know, he does give him some good information as they're trying to question him. And, it, and it's funny because uh, Murtal talks to him. You could tell he has kids. He's talking to him like a little kid. Um, and, you know, is he white? Is he black? Is he tall? Is he short? And he's asking all these questions. And then all of a sudden this kid's basically like, he's got 
pain on them. And then they learn that it's a tattoo and it looks exactly like the one that Martin Riggs has. Perfect. One of those wonderful movie coincidences. So now Roger decides he's going to go back to speak to his boy, Mike. Um, and because now they're like, okay, your daughter was killed because of something you're into, buddy, not something she was into. Um, and we kind of get the backstory here, Chad, about how this whole shadow company uh, got into the heroin business. Yeah, I think you know, they mentioned Air America, which was kind of cool because that was a film that Mel Gibson did. Uh, right. I, I don't know what year it was. At some point in his career, 89, 80, 90, 91. And then they start talking about Shadow Company, which is like this, I don't know, it was like a CIA operation. And uh, they were taking out all these heroin guys. and But they had all these uh, these contacts still. After the war was over, they had all these contacts in the heroin industry over there. So they just kind of continued on with the business and we're making a whole boatloads of money. It's like an opposite a team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think Very that good. the script was written under the title shadow company. Oh, it's an interesting little tidbit there. So now after finding out about this, Roger wants all the details like, okay, this is, you know, this is huge. This is going to be a huge bust, but they don't have much time to get more out of Mike because Mr. Joshua is in a uh, chopper flying outside and uh, he takes out Mike. And even worse than that, though, is, you know, he sees these two cops that were talking to Mike and figures, okay, Mike was spilling his guts about this. And now these two cops know, which basically puts a, a huge target on the backs of Riggs and Murtaugh. And it's a target that Mr. Joshua plans on. <laughs> Uh, hitting and and does so like basically i don't know if it's later that day or the very next day chad yeah it, like you said it's like almost immediately where uh mr joshua calls the general and lets him know you know mike the, the target's down he's out out of the picture he, he shot the eggnog carton he he saw the cops there he had to have been spilling his guts um and then the next time we see Martin and Riggs or uh, Martin and Murtal, they're talking about some stuff and they get a call over the radio that there's like a dead kid somewhere. And Murtal just kind of like, Oh, he must be blonde hair with dimples. Cause his daughter was supposed to go out with a kid who had blonde hair and dimples. And then lo and behold, it's the same kid. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So Joshua shows up, shoots Riggs. In, in a spectacular fashion, Riggs goes flying through a, a pane of glass because you got to break glass in an action movie or you're not even trying. And uh, fortunately, though, Ryan, Riggs had his bulletproof vest on. That's right. Uh, very wise decision to, I guess, whenever you think someone's got, you know, out to get you to go ahead and put your bulletproof vest on. But this also gives him the element of surprise because now as far as the bad guys are concerned, he is dead. And, and I think that the bulletproof vest was also kind of helpful because you realize, you know, Martin Riggs is not as psychotic as you would think. Because would a psycho put on a bulletproof vest? Probably not. So, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, Joshua even calls the cops, pretending to be a, a news reporter, to confirm, to, hey, did, did what happened with the shooting? And, you know, it's our, our guy from Action Jackson says, oh, yeah, he died you know, and 
So yeah, like you said, they got the element of surprise, but the bad guys have something. They have Murtaugh's daughter, Chad Cruz. Yeah, that was some really good bulletproof action. Mm. Bulletproofaction.com. That's where you'll get witty things like that. <laughs> but yeah, they do. They kidnap Riggs, uh, Murtaugh's daughter, uh, the same daughter who was trying to bang Riggs. Um, and it was only a matter of time. I don't know if she was trying to bang him. I think she was just mm. imagining what it would be like to bang. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, it was only a matter of time before she came back into the picture. And uh, the bad guys, it just shows that they're willing to do anything to keep you know, their secrets, to keep from being outed. And uh, well, they're not yeah, below I mean, killing young people. Right. I mean, again, like you said, there's a lot of money at stake here. And mm-hmm. they are used to this lifestyle that they've been living. And uh, yeah, so they're going to do whatever they can. Um, so... And Riggs basically says, if you want your daughter back, we're going to have to play this thing by my rules. And uh, we get the whole uh, exchange. So basically, they want Murtaugh to come in and they'll let the daughter go. So they could find out what Murtaugh knows and presumably will probably kill him. Yes. Um, presumably will probably kill the daughter too, is what I'm sure Riggs and, and Murtaugh are thinking as well. So they know they have to come up with something. And this is where we get the whole thing at the at the dry lake. And this is where we get to see those sniper skills in action, Ryan. Yeah, and definitely props Mel Gibson here, and I guess a testament to his acting ability. It almost seems like around this point in the movie, once once Murtov's daughter is kidnapped and once things kind of threaten him and his family, his entire demeanor, his entire way that he portrays the character changes. I mean, before where he kind of had these like, hollow eyes and he kind of just had this kind of deer in the headlights crazed look at this point now it's a much more like focused mm-hmm. his you know his eyes now are are they look like there's a there's a plan in place and he's he has something worth fighting for and you know he's much more deliberate about his decision making and kind of what he's doing and again just mill gibson really you know just shifts the entire thing and i guess this is kind of when his redemption story really kicks in that he has something worth fighting for there's still something to live for um you know someone that believes in him and that's kind of stuck his neck out for him and and kind of when when things really really you know kick in the high gear for for that character and then of course yeah then he starts he gets to out himself that he is still alive and just starts sniping fools like you know it's call of duty uh on the dry lake bed and it's part of that too you got to wonder you know there was nothing he could do about losing his wife. Um, and, you know, obviously that, that pain he knows all too well, but here's something he can do for his, his, his new friend, Roger Murtaugh. So he doesn't have to lose a loved one. Here's something he can step in and say, no, we're going to make this right. Um, so that, that could have been part of it as well, but yeah, he's doing his sniper thing, but that allows the general to sneak up on him and, uh, the victory they have is very short-lived. Leanne is recaptured. Joshua takes in Murtaugh. The general gets Riggs. And then we get Chad Cruz's second favorite scene in the movie with his boy Al Leong and the old electrocution. Oh, yeah. Big fan of Al Leong and his little uh, nipple electri- electrocution of Riggs. Uh, but he, he is used far too little, but also in almost every film I can remember from the 80s. Is I think he also in Rush Hour? 
Or was he in Lethal Weapon Four as well? <laughs> he, I think he was one of the like the background dudes in Lethal Weapon Four. But he's probably in both of them, to be honest. But he, he's in like them all all the movies, but he's always in them for such a short period of time that you feel cheated. You know, like he's in Die Hard. Everyone remembers him from Die Hard. Like, oh yeah, he ate the, yep. the candy bar or whatever. But he's in it for like twenty two seconds. So he's like underutilized so often. It's crazy. But he, he does get to die a lot. And uh, I may have uh, explored a feature recently on Ali Young's deaths in certain films. So that'll be coming at some point. But yeah, there's this, this, this scene here is great because they introduce Ali Young as like this like master of pain. And he comes in and he just starts zapping Riggs. And Riggs gets that great torture scene that we love from the 80s where you know, they're trying to get information and there's just no chance of him giving information. So it's basically just like this Eli Roth, like, you know, torture porn where a guy just gets, gets, keeps getting zapped or whatever. And he's just screaming the entire time. So it's a fun one. Yeah. And then in the, in like the next room over Murtaugh is just like tied to a chair, getting punched in the face repeatedly. which, Which would you prefer? Would you prefer to get electrocuted or punched in the face repeatedly? I feel like I'd have a better shot at the electric electrocution yeah, one, mainly say. because you're swinging and you're in a tight, tight area, like with a brick wall right there with the bag, with the guy that's shocking you's head right there. I mean, all you really have to do is lift your legs and kick him hard enough to his back of his head hits the brick wall. And, and that's exactly what Mel Gibson did. What? He used well, if you're just tied to a chair with like six guys surrounding yeah. you, punching you in the face, you, you don't have any options. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, very good. Uh, be so yeah. Riggs does his old free leg trick, gets out of that situation, and it, just in the nick of time, pops in before they start screwing with Leanne. Um, you know, so definitely Riggs at this point, you know, he's a total badass. You know oh, how yeah. tough he is. And, and he's just the man. But the problem, once again, these victories short-lived because here General and Joshua escape, and now we get some vehicular action because Joshua is causing all sorts of trouble on the streets of L.A. And Riggs, not chasing him in a car, Chad, chasing him on foot. No, Before yeah. we get there, though, does he, when they come busting into the bar, does he just shoot an innocent bartender? No, it was the guy who was like the talker at the uh, hostage okay. part. Yeah. They kind of open it and there's a bar, and I thought it looked like he was cleaning the glass, and then he just shoots him. <laughs> like, hey, what's that guy doing? He didn't know. Ooh, whoops. He thought it was a gun. It was a glass. Sorry. <laughs> so, carry on. Yeah. But yes, Riggs. So, yeah, so Riggs goes Riggs. after uh, oh. Mr. Joshua, steals a car from a. a innocent lady on the street she puts up quite a fight though if you go back and watch that she is like not giving up her her little hyundai she go for audi. yeah <laughs> audi yeah that's what it was an audi and uh and riggs just takes off on foot i don't know if he had shoes on i can't remember if he had shoes or not i, I wonder if it did look like he had shoes on because he? there was no i don't know when he put these shoes on because True. i don't think he, had, he didn't have them on when he was getting electrocuted no he didn't um but yeah, it did look like he had shoes because that's the first. Like I'm like, okay, it's already a little bit unbelievable. He's <laughs> chasing a car on foot, but barefoot, 
you know. That makes him more badass in my eyes. Hey, LA traffic, it may be quicker to be on foot. That's true. That's true. But this is Hollywood. So, like, he just takes off and there's no traffic whatsoever, which is, you know, that just shows you're, you're in a film. Yeah. And, well, it was a little bit later in the night, too, you would imagine. Yeah. So, I would think traffic isn't as bad. And Christmas time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, people may have been out on a ski trip or something. Yeah, and Riggs gets some shots off on Joshua, and and the car is is aflame, and he's just like driving everywhere with a burn up car, um, and he finally gets out and 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 gets away from Riggs. Yeah, he steals another car and gets away, and Riggs is just like still sprinting and you know trying to stop him. And what's funny, my favorite part is when. Riggs gets back to Murtaugh uh, and he's like, yeah, Joshua got away. And he's like, what? He's like, sue me. Like, I'm sorry. I was chasing him on foot. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Murtaugh was much more successful, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, with, with the general um, who he manages to, to get some shots off. And then that car, well, it's just in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time. If you're Murtaugh. Because that bus comes in and that's all she wrote. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm just curious if it's that hard to drive a car from the passenger position. Because once that driver gets shot, the general just grabs the wheel and just veers it right into the wall. I wouldn't suggest trying it. No, I I don't think I will. I don't think I will. My, My thought was like he slammed on the accelerator and the car was just like out of control. That's what was in my mind. I could see that. I'll buy that. Okay. So, yeah. And, and, and it's not an instant explosion either. We get to see like him freaking out because he's there and there's grenades and obviously there's a fire going on and fire and grenades, uh, not a good combination. And uh, at least a that, good way to actually justify a car blowing up after being hit by another car. In an action uh, right. Unlike death wish three, where the car just slowly went down a hill yeah, bumped another car, and then <laughs> engulfed in flames. Five seconds later, I, I don't know, and maybe someone out there is an expert on this. I don't know if a grenade would explode if it was like in flames. Like, I was just kind of wondering that too. If the casing that's in that is the grenade yeah. would be like, you know flame retardant or at least be able to withstand uh, I would imagine a very high temperature and I, I know that, you know like obviously like movie grenades are very different than real life grenades but because they don't just like blow they, you know shrapnel is what comes out of them like they don't just like flames fly out of them they're not, they're not mini explosions like mini bombs <laughs> no they're not um, but I don't know if you like you know had them in an actual fire if they would explode so maybe one of our uh Maybe what was his well, name? We have a lot of mix testing experiments to do after this film. Yes. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll be a YouTube video of us trying to drive a car after the driver's shot. Okay. Uh, seeing what happens if you light a car on fire with grenades. Yep. Burning ourselves with with uh, lighters. With lighters and seeing if we can get out of a uh, electrocution torture. We got a we got a lot to do. Well, I'll leave all those activities to you two gentlemen. <laughs> Staying safely here in the comfort of my home. I will uh, post these videos though, and hopefully reap the ad money. Uh, so let's 
So, yeah, so now they figure out, okay, well, Joshua has gotten away, and I guess there's two schools of thought. Like, does he just go and leave and just just get out of there, or is he going to hold a grudge and go after Murtaugh's family again? Obviously, you want to err on the side of, we better go make sure my family's okay, and that's exactly what they do. Uh, and good thing, because Joshua is, in fact, there, and we get a, a final showdown uh Christmas lights in the background, Chad. Again, if, if at this point they hadn't had Christmas references, we get enough of them right here in this final scene. Yeah, it's glorious. Um, Joshua kind of, he breaks into the house. He shoots a bunch of shots into the house. He breaks in. He's looking for the Murtaugh family to get some revenge and realizes he's been duped and they've one-upped him. They, they, were, they were ready for him. Then they drove a damn car into his house, which to me, I'd be like, uh, no. Like, there had to be another way to do that. I mean, if, if, if no one else is in the house. Yeah, I'd be like, can we just go through the door? Like, what the hell, man? Like, can we hide in the closet or something? What the terrible idea. But they, they pull Joshua out into the front yard. And then in what in an amazing scene, Riggs is like, yeah, you want a shot at the title? And him and Josh will go toe to toe and it's, it's phenomenal. And Murtoff holds off all the other cops and tells them that he, it's on him. I take full responsibility, whatever happens here. So yeah, the one thing I, I found about this fight that was a little bit different, you know, it's not like other fights that you would see in, in eighties films or in late eighties films. It wasn't like this smooth uh, martial arts. There wasn't a bunch of Kung Fu happening with all these, you know, his counters and stuff. Um, these guys were like, they were doing maneuvers. Like they were doing like jujitsu and yeah, a guy, an MMA guy is going to watch that and see him do a triangle choke. You know, a UFC fan is going to see that and be like, Oh, those are legitimate, you know, holds. And, and, and he's trying an arm bar at one point. I mean, you're going to see that nowadays in 2020 and be like, wow, that's some legit fighting. And I think that makes this movie different than just the, the usual punch, kick, punch, kick of an action film. Yeah, add, definitely added some realism uh, to the movie. Where they, like they wanted to win, they wanted to beat the guy. It was, you know, wasn't all over the top theatrics. So, uh, great point, Chad Cruz. You know, that's why you're the co-host. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. You're you're welcome. Uh, that that is your holiday gift from me. Uh, that compliment. Then Ryan Campbell, we get a little Christmas with the Murtaugh action and Murtaugh's, I should say, and. Uh, and we're out. Little Elvis and, and uh, this Christmas action movie is all wrapped up. Yeah, definitely. We get to see the, uh, you know, the, the reconstruction work being done of the uh, Murtaugh home. Um, cute little digs about wife cooking, some further kind of reinforcement of these two characters. And I mean, clearly, by the, I don't know if there was option for sequels, but when this movie ends and you've just kind of gotten the little tease of, these two and their camaraderie, you know, you instantly walk out of that movie wanting to see more of the two of them. All right. Well, there it is. Lethal Weapon. What a movie, a Christmas action movie classic. Again, it was number two on our countdown, and I was happy to do this deep dive with Chad Cruz and Ryan Campbell. And obviously, Lethal Weapon spawned many a sequel and many an imitator as well, Ryan, uh, when you think about uh, bad boys and, and rush hours and, and, and whatnot. Oh, for sure. And, and they kind of, I mean, buddy, buddy cop movies were 
a thing, but I don't know if like the same kind of edge and a little bit of a mix of comedy and there's just a whole kind of special sauce that this movie had that everybody after it tried to capture with with varying degrees of success it's not like every other one after that didn't didn't do it well um but this definitely kind of revitalized the genre kind of brought it into a, a new age and and you know yeah everybody wanted a piece of that pie all right and before we go i do want to remind everybody to check out bulletproofaction.com something new each and every day as chad had pointed out earlier he's got a special Aliong tribute coming up uh, we also are going to have our final Hall of Fame inductee from the class of 2020. I will have my review of The Long Kiss Goodnight. I have rectified the issue that I never saw that film, and that uh, will be coming up here this week on the site. And then next month, Brian Campbell, will have Cobra Kai coverage, and I'm very excited about that. I know you are. The trailer dropped, and I that's got people buzzing. Uh, Chad Cruz, do you have any uh, final holiday wishes you'd like to share with our listeners? I do wish a very Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, Happy holidays, wherever you might celebrate. Um, Be careful. Have fun. Remember what it's all about. And uh, we'll see you next year. We will see you next year. And in fact, our next scheduled podcast, January 5th, 2021, we are going to be talking Mark for Death with Steven Seagal. Definitely... uh, one of our goals I know for next year, Chad, is to cover some of the uh, action stars we have not yet covered here on the Bulletproof podcast. Yeah. There's a short list of big stars that we have yet to uh, yet to get to. And, you know, don't think for a second that we've forgotten about these guys. Cause you know, like I said, we have a list, we are checking it twice and we're going to review the shit out of these places, these movies. Absolutely. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I also want to extend some happy holiday wishes to all our listeners, all our social media followers, everybody who supports bulletproofaction.com. Ryan Campbell, any final thoughts for everybody here as we wrap up this episode and wrap up 2020? No, it's just been a, it's been a a big year. Um, I, I know I started doing a little bit more with the site and uh, doing, started doing the podcasts and we broke a lot of records and, biggest months multiple months in a row it was just i I obviously i know it was a tough year and a lot of people were home and maybe that's why they were reading listening more but i sure hope people you know stick around even when things get back to normal and everybody has a safe and happy holidays absolutely all right everybody thank you for listening as always and be sure to stay tuned for more of the bulletproof podcast listening to the Geekscape Network.